we need people across the nation to be contacting all their MPs and having those conversations and just much bigger aspirations. You know, we need a massive shift. So we need our MPs on board with that and just surrounded by people going, this is a no-brainer. It's not even a political issue. We just need to make this happen. Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering and I make a monthly podcast for the Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. In this month's episode of the Restart Project podcast, I'm handing over hosting and reporting duties to Restart's communications producer, Holly Davies. We're still buzzing from FixFest UK, which took place at the end of September. And we thought that those who weren't able to attend might want to get in on the action. So while we were there, I talked to eight organisers from across the UK about how they're championing repair in their area and how we can get everyone, including our government, to do the same. One of the ways that we're doing this is by launching the Repair and Reuse Declaration. Today marks the seventh edition of International Repair Day, and we're celebrating with the theme Repair for Everyone. In order for repair to become mainstream, it needs to be accessible to everyone. The new declaration calls for government policies to make that happen. To find out more and to sign up, go to repairreusedeclaration.uk. Who are you and what brings you to FixFest UK? Hi, I'm Phoebe. I'm the director of Repair Cafe Wales and this year we are co-hosting FixFest. I'm Claire Seek and I run Share Portsmouth, which is a little charity in Portsmouth all around repair and reuse. And I've been involved in organising FixFest, so <laughs> that's partly why I'm here, but because I'm really passionate about getting people together so that we can create more change. I'm Jane Dixon and I am the coordinator of the Scotland Wide Share and Repair Network, which is part of Circular Community Scotland. Hi, I'm Hayley. I'm from Remake Newport and FixFest being so close by was a great opportunity to share ideas and come together. I'm Chris McCartney and I am involved in Repair Cafe Belfast and the Emerging Repair Cafe Northern Ireland Network. I'm Elaine Brown. I'm the Chief Exec of the Edinburgh Remakery. I could not put into words how delighted I am to be at FixFest. It's absolutely brilliant, full of huge enthusiastic organisations want to do the right thing around repair and reuse so I have loved every single minute. My name is Caroline McInnes-Brooks and I represent a community interest company called Repair and Share Foil. We're based in Derry, Northern Ireland. We chose the name Repair Cafe Foil as one of our projects. The wording around our city, Derry or Londonderry, is always a point of contention. So we named our Repair Cafe project after the river that runs through our city. Hi, I'm Nicole Barton. I'm the volunteer and events organiser at Cambridge Carbon Footprint. I spent 10 years working with colleagues, including Sandy Skelton and Kate Borsnell and lots of other volunteers to build the Cambridgeshire Repair Cafe Network. We've currently got over 23 organising groups. I'm at FixFest to meet people I've only met online from COVID times as we set up the Community Repair Network. But to be inspired by what I was doing, I'm particularly interested in learning more about the Right to Repair campaign. And I'm particularly interested in looking at dedicated or permanent sustainability centres. Our theme for Repair Day 2023 is Repair for Everyone. What does Repair for Everyone mean to you? In our city, we have a massive range of levels of deprivation and the 
thing that I hear all the time is people saying they can't afford to repair things. And that's people that are wealthy and people that are not so wealthy. So I think for me, a lot of repair for everyone is about accessibility and affordability. Repair used to be just a normal part of life. And so it's got to be everyone. It's got to be accessible, though it can't be something that just those who have more income or more time can do. And that's the global thing as well. I think we have responsibility within the UK to think about how what we do and the decisions we make impact people around the world. In Wales, we have a really brilliant community repair network and there's lots and lots of repair cafes all over the country. But still, for most people, repair isn't the norm when something breaks and most people still aren't aware of repair cafes. So I think for us, repair for everyone means expanding awareness of an involvement with repair cafes into lots and lots of different groups that aren't currently a part of the movement. So young people, for example, are really difficult for us to engage with and making sure that everyone feels included and like the events are very accessible to them. I think after having been to the conference today, it just literally means that it means everyone should have the right to repair and the right to somewhere local where they can go and find out how something is repaired and get it done. I think repair for everyone is both a statement of fact, because it is for everyone, and also a challenge to us to think about how we make sure we're reflecting that in our community repair events, making them accessible, getting out within our community and spreading maybe rather than growing because I think as a mostly volunteer run community repair you can feel a great burden to reach every single person in your community and we can't do that but we can reach a few more people and we can get a few more people involved and we can inspire other people to start something down the road or in their neighbourhood and we can share generously of our knowledge and learning. We have to think about how we create spaces that feel good and safe for everyone And for us, in our experience in Northern Ireland, our starting point has always been, what are our values and ethos? What is it we're trying to build here? We've worked with nine other communities to set up repair cafes. Instead of getting into the practicalities of how do you organise an event, we start with what is it we're trying to build here? What does that look and feel like? How can we make it a place where everybody thrives? And I think when you root it in those values, it's easier then to create something that genuinely feels welcoming to more people. Everybody has something they bring to the table. It might be a skill. It might be time. It might be giving a warm welcome, pouring a cup of tea. Those are skills that we need at our events, as well as the fixing skills. We always try to say, you come with your broken toaster and you are as much a part of this as anything, because if you didn't bring that toaster, what would we all be doing here? Repair for everyone means easy access to repair services. I'm trying to elevate the theme of repair and we're trying to bring it out into the community to make it more feasible for everyone around us. Repair for everyone is, it's intergenerational, it's for volunteers, it's for the public, it's for someone who's just curious and wants to come along. Repair for everyone is the option to get stuff fixed because that option does exist. It might be limited. It might be restricted. You know, it might be more expensive to get something fixed. But through the community repair networks, we want to bring it out of garden sheds, out of kitchen tables and right into the hearts of our communities. It works at two different levels. So for us in Cambridge, it means ensuring that our events are free, that they're accessible and welcoming to all. It's about putting extra effort in start cafes where they're harder to start. So going out to meet those communities face-to-face to explore where we might have sort of common goals 
and to intersect with teams and professionals working on social isolation and economic deprivation. So that's some work that we started doing up in Finland that faces a lot of challenges. And trying to get a repair cafe onto every high street is our ambition And that means that we hold face-to-face and online how to run repair cafes trainings. We have extensive toolboxes that all the cafes can borrow that's free of charge. And we have a shared register of 110 repairers that all cafes can use. It just makes setting up a repair cafe easy for everyone or easier. I think nationally, it means supporting people to repair and reuse by making spare parts available and affordable making professional repairs cheaper by removing VAT on repairs like they have in other countries, making sure fixes are easy and doable by most people with the tools that they have at home and expanding the right to repair regulations so that it covers all consumer products. At We Make Newport, because we have the permanent repair space and we operate five mornings a week, we have a really unique perspective where we're there for the community all the time. And so we are there for everyone because anyone can walk in, anyone can become part of it. At any moment, it means normality. It means that that is the default setting. Really, I'm on a mission to make repair the mainstream, to make that the default setting for everyone. And so repair cafes absolutely have their place in that, that people know that they can come in, watch repair, get the confidence to do it, and then make that part of their lifestyle. So repair cafes are the future, as far as I'm concerned. How has your organisation been involved in bringing community repair to the next level in your area? And what do you hope for the next five years? Part of my job is to support and represent repair projects across Scotland. We support our organisations and we are getting new organisations coming online all the time. So for the next five years, it would be amazing if we just had repair projects all over Scotland. So the Edinburgh Remakery lives, breathes repair and reuse. We're there to educate people around the circular economy. So repair cafes is just part of what we do. Beyond that, we also have a retail shop that sells refurbished tech. And in our event space, when we don't have repair cafes, we're bringing in communities to do workshops to learn repair skills. We're bringing in businesses to have their corporate away days with that sustainability slant. But the repair cafes are a crucial component for us because they make people come in. A lot of times they're coming in because of the cost of living crisis. So they really want something that they can get repaired at low cost. So for me, our event space and our repair cafes are just hugely important to get people really enthused and less fearful about repair. My hope is that the Edinburgh Remakeries model is the model that's sits on every high street is the model where everyone goes to a repair cafe when anything breaks. It's a no-brainer. And for me, it makes second hand, not second best. And really what I hope is that everything that's on the high street is around the circular economy model and we are less inclined to buy that press new button and we're more inclined to think repair and reuse. I suppose the thing we focused on is helping other people to get started and their own 
projects. We have 10 repair cafes across Northern Ireland. And I think there can be a temptation to say, you know, we should be working in schools and we should be engaging with government. We should be doing all these things. And you have to grow organically and do what you can because we all have limited capacity. We can all only do so much, but we can do what we do really well. And we can do it in a way that invites other people in and to bring their energy along. And then suddenly we have a little bit more capacity and energy. So that's been our kind of focus my dreams for the next five years. I mean, we constantly have more interest in getting involved in both in Belfast and in other places where there is no repair cafe in Northern Ireland. We'd like to see a repair cafe like available and accessible and in every community in Northern Ireland. That's our, our vision. But we're also not in a panic to get there. We'd rather get there in a way that feels good and doesn't burn ourselves out. I think that will be more successful in the long term. I also feel like among the public sector and decision makers and businesses, there's really not enough recognition of the value of a community approach to this stuff because we may not be able to fix hundreds of tons of items, but we can get out with our feelers into the much wider spread of the community. We're not just reaching people that are concerned about waste or people that are thinking about the climate crisis or even just people who can't afford to go and buy a new one. You know, we are throwing our doors open to anyone who's got a broken toaster and that's a great leveller. And so we can have a reach which is beyond maybe what a local high street business would have or what a government's pamphlet would have that's trying to persuade people to repair. And we can reach them with something which is a kind of a deeper experience of coming and being part of something that feels really good and feels really joyful. Bringing it to the next level has really been about, I suppose, maintaining the momentum of the monthly pop-up repair cafes, keeping a buzz around it. I mean, I can't even say it's down to our organisation, it's down to the public because the public have bought into it. They're buying into it. I know like our first repair cafe, we had something like 13 fixes. And then when we were one year old, we joined the Big Fix initiative led by Devon County Council, and we had 52 fixes. We couldn't do it without the public. We couldn't do it without broken stuff, really, <laughs> and our amazing volunteers. But what we have also been doing is we've been engaging with other community groups. By nature, the pop-up model enables us to go out to different community centres. It's also about working in partnership with those community groups, making them feel confident in what we're offering and maintaining the relationships and being willing to explore other avenues that repair can lead to. We're making sure that we're keeping track of all our data. We host a repair cafe and then we follow up with an email to say, hey, look, this is how many CO2 emissions we've diverted and this is how many tons of waste. And here's a list of the things that we've repaired. And they can then use that in their own sustainability reports. So I think it's just keeping the information flowing and the doors open and the conversations always willing to work in partnership. Well, the next five years, we are hoping to do more of what we already do. Our inbox is full, you know, the community wants us to do more. We're looking for premises. We want to have a base. We'll always go out into the communities and offer free monthly pop-up repair cafes. But we've been really inspired by the Fixing Factory in Camden. So we would love to have a base that we can 
hopefully work in partnership with our local authority to take some of the e-waste that's coming through their household waste and recycling centres to give our volunteers opportunities to play around with the repairs a little bit more, to bend their heads around it, maybe even to strip for spare parts. We are currently setting up a library of things to a library and we're being mentored by Belfast Tool Library. We're looking into paint remanufacture, which we're being mentored by the Rediscovery Centre in Dublin. We want to create more opportunities for our volunteers. Some volunteers, they just want to rock up and do the two-hour pop-up once a month. Other volunteers are keen to have a work placement or an apprenticeship. So yeah, we've been talking to the Department of Communities here in Northern Ireland and their employment officers. They're wanting to know how can we signpost our service users to the Repair Cafe again? We're saying yes, we're willing to, but give us a minute. We still need to get our ducks in a row, especially if we're going to be employers and we want to offer really good work placements as well. We've been having the conversations with the organisations that are already doing and the, and the beautiful thing about the Repair Network is that everyone's willing to share their information. Everyone's really willing to help. The most exciting work has probably been doing some stuff with engineering companies locally. In Cambridge, we're quite lucky to have a lot of IT and engineering companies. So we've been training them up to run their own cafes, but also using their staff and their engineers as repairers for the network. So there's one company called Centec and they are co-hosting International Repair Day with us. They'll bring probably, I don't know, 15 of their own engineering repairers. They'll be providing the cakes, but they'll also go around in little teams to all cafes around the area and it helps them deliver on their CSR policy as well. So I think finding that common ground where you can get repairers and engineers, but it's also good for the company because you know they're doing good in the community. That's I think that's really exciting. We just started working with enormous public body, uh, which is Cambridge University Hospital. It employs 12,000 staff and we've just trained them up to run their first cafe. So they have a works department and, uh, you know, all sorts of people with amazing skills working for the hospital. So they'll be having their first cafe. I think next five years, we would love a permanent space that would have a repair cafe, a library of things, be a meeting space, but also an advice centre for reducing your footprint around home energy, transport, food. And I think to get better at linking repair events with environmental issues, so, you know, using the events as a way to more deeply engage people on their footprint, on climate change, having better communication materials around overconsumption, and also maybe to move some of the organisers along to a sort of deeper level around environmental issues so that they can talk to people coming to cafes about you know, the environmental crisis, different models like donut economics and stuff. Whatever the motivations are, people come to cafes, doesn't matter. But whilst they're there, you've kind of got a bit of a captive audience and people are really concerned about it. Carbon emissions from the UK went up 2% in 2022. I think 79% of people want more action on climate change and the government are rolling back on most of their promises. And most people really care about stuff and want to do stuff. So we need to create our own spaces Having seen the permanent centre in Newport has really inspired us and talking to others that have the permanent centre has made us determined. We really feel like a city like Cambridge should have something like that. So we are hopeful. So with Remake Newport being a permanent space, we've brought repair to the high street every single day of the week, Tuesday to Saturday, making it more accessible. We've also brought the Library of Things to the high street, meaning that people can borrow items, people can get them fixed all in a convenient location. Over the next five years, we'd just like to see the figures continue to grow. 
borrowing rates in particular have skyrocketed over this summer and we'd just like to see more of that. The role of Repair Cafe Wales is to make it as easy as possible for a community group to start a repair cafe. So removing as many barriers to getting started as possible, whether that's through funding or equipment, training, kind of putting all of the processes in place so that people don't have to reinvent the wheel. So at the moment, we've got about 120 community repair cafes and that's grown really quickly over the last six years. We also launched Wales's first high street repair and reuse hub. And we have lots and lots of partnerships across the country like with organisations like eco-schools, libraries of things, local authorities, Digital Communities Wales, to try and reach as many people as we can. Over the next five years, we want to kind of expand upon our definition of community. So looking at areas that we don't currently work in, like colleges, schools, hospitals, workplaces, libraries, kind of going beyond the traditional definition of a community repair cafe so that we can reach more people. And also we're really focused on working with Welsh Government to look at behaviour change. So how do we get more people engaging with repair? How do we start to normalise repair? Whether that's through different forms of comms and messaging. For example, at the moment, we know that cost of living messaging is really impactful in getting more people engaged or whether it's through creating qualifications for younger people. So there's a reason for them to get involved with repair. So this last nine months has been a very different journey for us locally in Portsmouth. Our repair cafe used to be once a month pop-up event and we were just part of another organization and last year I set up a charity and we have been gifted some space in our city center shopping area and we're open for 12 hours across the week and we just get so many people falling across us which has been a massive shift for us of you know rather than being totally reliant on people hearing about us and being in a church hall and we've also opened that with the library of things which i think they mesh really well together when it comes to repairing and for the next five years i mean i really hope we can just extend that further you know to make repair accessible to more people you have to be where people can get to you so we will be looking at how we can work with different people across the city i'm hoping as well to kind of really just ramp up the whole circular economy within the city so get more businesses engaged and education and all those kind of things that mean that in the next five years we see repair becoming much more normal in our city love to trial some things too some of the things that we want for the nation would be great if we could trial some of those in Portsmouth. Mm. there's lots of empty spaces in our city and that's one of the things we've been talking about how can we maybe utilize some of that empty space to try some new things and get more stuff going on have you had any experience engaging local politicians and how do you think we can get politicians across the uk to champion repair and reuse In Portsmouth, we have two politicians, one Labour and one Conservative. And over the years, we've engaged them by just inviting them along to our repair cafe. So we've actually fixed items for both of them. And I think those sort of personal connections and the realisation of, yes, we can get these things repaired and having the conversations across the table about what the barriers are have been really important for our relationship with them. And they have historically supported the repair declaration, the Manchester declaration. And they've now both signed the new repair and reuse declaration as well. I think it is about those personal connections. We need people across the nation to be contacting all their MPs, having those conversations and just much bigger aspirations. You know, we need a massive shift. So we need our MPs on board with that and just surrounded by people going, this is a no brainer. It's not even a political issue. We just need to make this happen. 
I mean, we have great support from a number of our local politicians. Our MP donated Rice Krispie buns to our very first event before <laughs> she was elected and has, uh, you know, been kind enough to mention us in the House of Commons. Our local politicians have things that break as well. <laughs> um, one of the other repair cafes in Northern Ireland has mended the memorial chain of the, the mayor of their council. And I think actually community repair is really raising the profile of repair as a, as an idea and a kind of response to the waste crisis and to the climate crisis. I think they feel super positive about repair and about community responses because of being able to come and witness the number of people that want to get stuff repaired. Yeah. And I suppose I would like to see politicians think about how they could create a positive space for repair businesses and also community repair to flourish, whether they've got land premises, staff capacity they could support with, knowledge that we don't have as a community repair group that they could share. The majority of people really want to get their stuff fixed. It is deeply frustrating when stuff breaks prematurely. And what we need to do is give people many, many more options and make it much easier for them. They're already wanting to do the right thing, but the context is not there to make that easy for them. And that's where politicians can have an influence. My role is funded by the Scottish Government and Zero Waste Scotland. And we do have a minister with responsibility for the circular economy, Lorna Slater. So we're in a really strong position as an organisation to report directly to the Scottish Government and represent our members. So that's one of the things that we work really hard to do is the dull bits like get all the data together, but just make sure that we're in a really strong position to shout about what our members are doing. So it is on the agenda in Scotland, but we just try really hard to keep it there. Then Brewery Makery has had lots of success engaging with MSPs, MPs. We've had the Minister for the Circular Economy in Scotland actually opening our premises at the Edinburgh Remakery. Uh, they love us. We're doing what they say the country should be doing as we move to net zero. Unfortunately, sometimes legislation and reality don't quite match up. So we love it when they visit because we want to tell them where the opportunities are and where the challenges are. Also, we last year won the Queen's Award for Enterprise in Sustainability. So that has really encouraged MSPs, MPs, etc. to be really very interested in us because we are an exemplar of a business model, but a business for good and a business seeped in the heart of the circular economy. So I would say befriend your local MSPs, get them in so that they can see what you do because once they see your repair cafes and they see what it makes to the, the community and to the environment, they're going to be blown away. I think inviting your local MP along to a repair cafe is a really good start. I think it'd be really helpful to have a really clear agenda and campaign, you know, the sort of campaigns that organisations like yourselves provide something that you can give us just off the shelf that we can then use, you know, templates to engage the local community with and, you know, key messages for politicians and maybe comparing us to other countries would be really effective, you know, to say that other countries, I think France is way ahead of us on many things. I think that could maybe be motivational. I've worked quite closely with RMPs and MSs in Newport. We have MPs and members of Senate for East and West Newport, but the city centre is seen as kind of common ground. So we benefit from having support from both sides of the river. They also seem to move as a little group quite often through the city centre. You'll see all four of them together, which is really lovely and obviously improves that feeling of support from them. They've all 
been in, engaged, had things repaired, borrowed things in Remake and also offered their political support to us. We haven't directly engaged with local politicians here in Derry at the minute, though I do see quite a few of them resharing our social media posts <laughs> so they know about us. I think the hook for local politicians really is that waste reduction piece because the less money they're paying on landfill tax, the better. So surely, you know, all of the local politicians need to be jumping on this bandwagon. We did have the opportunity to present to the head of the Environment and Regeneration Directorate at our local authority a month or so ago, Karen Phillips and in her head of waste management, Connor Canning. And they were really excited about our project. They were already aware of Repair Cafe Foil and there is a commitment that they will invite us back to speak to the, I think it's like it's a panel where the elected councillors are involved. So that'll be an amazing opportunity for us to talk about the right to repair and our waste reducing initiatives. Being able to present ourselves as the ideal community partner. We haven't just been given the job to do this. We've been volunteering to do it, which demonstrates that we are enthusiastic and we're willing to collaborate. We do want something in return for sure. And that's to push the right to repair movement and to tighten up legislation. Even like there's, there's small things as a CIC, a small social enterprise, we're never going to be in a position to buy a waste management license. They cost an absolute fortune. There can be some kind of agreement or partnership that these community groups can access the resources at the recycling centres, the e-waste, or if you're a men's shed, maybe you want to access the waste wood. It needs to be a two-way street and we need to be able to find mechanisms that make it easier for community groups and local authorities to work together. We have to keep talking about it. We have to be persistent, friendly, but persistent. We're so thankful that so many organisers, repairers, researchers, makers and more were able to come together from all over the UK to share their knowledge, experience, hopes and ideas with each other. It's clear from speaking to our guests that there are many ways for repair to exist and thrive in a local community. And it's not just repair. For this ecosystem to work, we need to include reuse initiatives, borrowing libraries and more so that we can create a truly sustainable future in the UK. And just a reminder... To find out more about the new Repair and Reuse Declaration, go to repairreusedeclaration.uk. Restart Radio is a show aired on Resonance 104.4 FM and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at the restartproject.org where we've also set up a fundraiser. So if you've enjoyed this episode, do make sure that you donate there to help to fund the future of the podcast. The music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between Opto Noise and Cassini Sound. And big thanks to Restart's communications producer, Holly, who does the research and the planning. 
for the podcast. And now it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody.